0: Chapter 9 of Penelope's English Experiences by Kate Douglas Wiggin. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Teresa. Chapter 9 A Table of Kindred and Affinity. On one of our excursions, Hilda Malefica accompanied us, and we alighted to see the place where the Smithfield martyrs were executed, and to visit some of the very old churches in that vicinity. We found hanging in the vestibule of one of them something quite familiar to Hilda but very strange to our American eyes, a table of kindred and affinity, wherein whosoever are related are forbidden in Scripture and our laws to marry together. Salamina was very quiet that afternoon, and we accused her afterward of being depressed, because she had discovered that, added to the battalions of men in England, who had not thus far urged her to marry them, there were thirty persons whom she could not legally espouse, even if they did ask her. I cannot explain it but it really seemed in some way that our chances of a sweet safe corner of the household fire had materially decreased when we had read the table it only goes to prove what salemina remarked yesterday i said that we can go on doing a thing quite properly until we have seen the rule for it printed in black and white the moment we read the formula we fail to see how we could ever have followed it we are confused by its complexities and we do not feel the slightest confidence in our ability to do consciously the thing we have done all our lives unconsciously. Like the centipede, quoted Salamina, the centipede was happy quite, until the toad, for fun, said, Pray which leg goes after which. Which wrought his mind to such a pitch, he lay distracted in a ditch, considering how to run. The table of kindred and affinity is all too familiar to me, sighed Hilda, because we had a governess who made us learn it as a punishment i suppose i could recite it now although i haven't looked at it for ten years we used to chant it in the nursery schoolroom on wet afternoons i well remember that the vicar called one day to see us and the governess hearing our voices uplifted in a pious measure drew him under the window to listen this is what he heard you will see how admirably it goes and do not imagine it is wicked it is merely the law not the gospel and we framed our own musical setting, so that we had no associations with the prayer-book. Here Hilda chanted softly, there being no one in the old churchyard. A woman may not marry with her grandfather, grandmother's husband, husband's grandfather, father's brother, mother's brother, father's sister's husband, mother's sister's husband, husband's father's brother, husband's mother's brother, father, stepfather, husband's father, son, husband's son. Daughter's husband. Brother. Husband's brother. Sister's husband. Son's son. Daughter's son. Son's daughter's husband. Daughter's daughter's husband. Husband's son's son. Husband's daughter's son. Brother's son. Sister's son. Brother's daughter's husband. Sister's daughter's husband. Sister's daughter's husband husband's brother's son. Husband's sister's son. It seems as if there were nobody left, I said disconsolately save, perhaps, your second cousin's uncle, or your enemy's dearest friend. That's just the effect it has on one, answered Hilda. We always used to conclude our chant with the advice. And if there is anybody after this in the universe left to marry, marry him as expeditiously as you possibly can, because there are very few husbands omitted from this table of kindred and affinity, and it behoveth a maiden to snap them up without any delay, willing or unwilling, whenever and wherever found we were also required to learn by heart the form of prayer with thanksgiving to be used yearly upon the fifth day of november for the happy deliverance of king james the first and the three estates of england from the most traitorous and blood intended massacre by gunpowder also the prayers for charles the martyr and the thanksgiving for having put an end to the great rebellion by the restitution of the king and royal family after many years interruption which unspeakable mercies were wonderfully completed upon the twenty-ninth of may in the year sixteen sixty. Sixteen sixty, we have been forty years in america then soliloquized francesca and isn't it odd that the long thanksgivings in our country must all have been for having successfully run away from the gunpowder treason king charles the martyr and the restituted royal family yet here we are you and i the best of friends talking it all over as we jog along or walk by turns we come to buckingham street and looking up at alfred jingle's lodgings say a grateful word of mr pickwick we tell each other that much of what we know of london and england seems to have been learned from dickens deny him the right to sit among the elect if you will talk of his tendency to farce and caricature call his humour low comedy and his pathos bathos although you shall say none of these things in my presence unchallenged the fact remains that every child in america at least, knows more of England, its almshouses, debtors' prisons, and law courts, its villages and villagers, its beetles and cheap jackets and hostlers, and coachmen and boots, its streets and lanes, its lodgings and inns, and landladies and roast beef and plum pudding, its ways, manners, and customs. Knows more of these things, and a thousand others, from Dickens' novels, than from all the histories, geographies, biographies, and essays in the language, where is there another novelist who has so peopled a great city with his imaginary characters, that there is hardly room for the living population, as one walks along the ways? Oh, these streets of London, there are other more splendid shades in them, shades that have been there for centuries, and will walk beside us so long as the streets exist. One can never see these shades, save as one goes on foot, or takes that chariot of the humble, the omnibus. I should like to make a map of literary London somewhat after Lee Hunt's plan as projected in his essay on the world of books for to the book-lover the poet's hand is always on the place blessing it one can no more separate the association from the particular spot than one can take away from it any other beauty fleet street is always johnson's fleet street so lee hunt says the tower belongs to julius caesar and blackfriars to suckling van Dyke, and the dunciad i can no more pass through westminster without thinking of milton or the borough without thinking of Chaucer and Shakespeare, or Gray's Inn without calling Bacon to mind, or Bloomsbury Square without steel and Aikenside, then I can prefer brick and mortar to wit and poetry, or not see a beauty upon it beyond architecture and the splendour of the recollection. Of chapter Nine.